Welcome to the Ask Zach Show. I'm your host, Zach Childs. I've spent the last 30 years working in the music industry here in Nashville, Tennessee, during which I've done everything from touring with major artists like Brad Paisley and Carrie Underwood to playing the nastiest dive bars or even the occasional wedding. This show is all about barreling down the rabbit hole on all things guitar and the music we love. We will cover the legendary players, gear insights, and even some interviews along the way. I hope you enjoy. To support the show, follow the links in the description to find out about my Patreon page. Or go to my store at AskZach.com to pick up a coffee mug or t-shirt. Now, let's dive in. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to Ask Zach. Today, we're going to talk about G-benders. I've uh, done a couple of videos on B-benders and how to use them and such, and lately I was inspired because I took my, uh, my Glazer convertible bender that's on this Crook Paisley, and I uh, took it down there, and I had them switch it over from uh, being a B-bender to being a G-bender, and it's really been a lot of fun, and, uh, and so I thought, you know, might be a good idea to do a little episode on on G benders and talk about you know the history and uh, the the handful of players that really popularized it and uh, and then also just some kind of general you know kind of thought as far as G versus B and and such and you know which way you should go and of course I think you should get the uh, the Glazer convertible bender because then you can just uh, switch it back and forth you know. You know, when, whenever you uh, get the the whim and the five minutes it takes to uh, change a couple of the strings and move the saddle around, so all right, so we're just gonna we're just gonna dive in. So the first commercially available G bender would be this guy. If you haven't seen one of these before, this is a Bigsby palm pedal. So this was originally developed by a guitarist here in Nashville named Boomer Castleman in 1968. And then he had this constructed by Bixby. And this is on the same footprint that a B5 is. So like you'd see on a Telecaster or like on a flat top Gibson, like an SG. This of course is a B bender and a G bender. And this was a very popular Thing to experiment with in the 1970s and uh, yeah influential little gadget that unfortunately is no longer in production but there are some copies out there and such and of course these can be found 
I've often wondered if uh, Boomer Castleman was influenced by uh, Dean Porter's mechanism that was on Jerry Kennedy's 335 and uh, Gordon, well, yeah, Gordon now, and uh, Grady Martin's uh, big red ES355 that had a, uh, a little kind of arm mechanism that was mounted on the, uh, the tunematic bridge. But, uh, and that was back in 63. But uh, this was real popular and, uh, and kind of one of the ways a lot of guys did the whole B-bender, G-bender thing back in the 70s and 80s uh, because this was somewhat easy to find and it did, it did require some modifications because of course you had to drill some holes in the guitar if you didn't already have a B5, but it was uh, more, more doable. Uh, the next you know, G-bender to come along would be of course the, uh, the Glazer double bender, which had the, uh, the G was on the, the strap you know, actuator, and then the B bender was usually attached to a lanyard that attached to your belt loop and then you would uh, you know, push out. So you'd push down for the G-bender and push out for the B. Uh, the first guy to ever get just a G-bender, you know, not a double bender, but just a G, is uh, Jeff King. And Jeff King's a great session player here in town. And in 1985, he was playing with Patty Loveless, and he had Joe Glazer make him a custom Glazer telly that's wonderful Lake Placid Blue with a rosewood fretboard and he had a G-Bender alone and the reason why was because he had one of these and he was mainly using the G only. He was not using the B as much and it was probably nice to kind of get these things out of your, the, out of your way of your, of your playing though this is a, a cool mechanism. Uh, another uh, player that though he used uh, a double bender he kind of used the G a little bit more was Greg Jennings with the group Restless Heart. Of course, we have to talk about uh, Jimmy Olander. And uh, Jimmy Olander with the group Diamond Rio had a, uh, a double bender in his guitar. And he's probably the greatest exponent of the double bender and created a, a wonderful style that uh, utilizes the double bender. And if you really listen to his work, you will find that the G bender is used more than the B. And this was something that was figured out by a, a teenage guitarist in West Virginia in the early 1990s named Brad Paisley. And Brad had a B bender at the time that Joe Glazer had installed in a uh, sunburst telly that he had. And he decided that he wanted to go in a different direction and wanted to kind of uh, not do the typical, you know, B-bender licks. And he was, you know, of course, under the influence of uh, Jimmy Olander. And he thought, well, if I just do the G, I can kind of have kind of my own sound. So he had uh, a steel player that he was working with who was a machinist and a wonderful steel player. Look at the Glazer bender that he had and basically make a modified version of that and he put it in a gunmetal blue uh, American Standard Tele. And that was Brad Paisley's first G-Bender. And that's what he had, of course, in college and when, when we met. And he was very proficient on it 
and he, of course, had learned a lot of things from Jimmy Olander uh, and Greg Jennings and developed licks of his own. And for the fact that he didn't have the other bender, uh, it was, and, you know, kind of had a unique sound and approach, you know, there wasn't a lot of uh, comparisons between he and, uh, and his heroes. So, of course, you know, Brad would go on to, uh, you know, get a record deal and, uh, and he bought his 68 Paisley Telly in the mid-90s. His first record is released in 1999. And that's really where uh, most people become aware of the G-Bender. It's really, you know, Brad Paisley that uh, puts the G-Bender alone on the map. And, of course, he's used it on all sorts of, uh, you know, most of his solos uh, utilize the G-Bender in one way or another. Uh, and there's there's cool little fills, like on, on little moments, there's a, which is in the key of A, you have. And even in the solo, yeah. usage of the of the g-bender in that and uh, and so many of his solos and here's where we can kind of get into the whole b-bender g-bender thing is the uh, the g-bender doesn't seem to have as much uh, of an iconic sound as the b and I, I don't know exactly why that that is I don't know if there's just been so many guys that have used the b-bender you know from Clarence White and Bernie Ledden to, uh, you know, Albert Lee and Bob Warford and, uh, you know, Steve Warner and Ricky Skaggs and on and on and on. Uh, I don't know if that's part of it because, of course, with the G, you kind of have Brad Paisley and, and Jeff King. And, uh, you know, if you pull out the, the use of the double bender, you have, uh, you know, Jimmy Olander and, and Greg Jennings. So you don't have that many stars of the G-Bender, but also it just kind of sounds more guitaristic, if you will. It doesn't, uh, you know, I'm not tempted to try to play, uh, you know, Clarence White licks, which is something I always want to do when I use a, uh, a B-Bender. And I, I really like the, uh, you know, some of the, you know, it just has a fatter sound you know, because it's a bigger string. And the G string is probably, you know, for most of us, it's a little bit more difficult to bend than the B. And so for some people, it just makes more sense. I really like, uh, like, like this, like this is something that I, I stole from, from Jimmy Olander, this. You know, that kind of, uh, you know, being able to get that much movement on the G string. Um, yeah, it's just, it just has a, a really, really fun sound. And, uh, Approximation of uh, Jimmy Olander. Of course, it's 
uh, I think he played it in a higher position. But uh, yeah, I think it, it just has a, uh, a, a fun and different sound. And I think you sound a little more individualistic just because it seems like the B-Bender has been really well trod with uh, guys that have used it. Saying all that, uh, of course, I'm much more comfortable on a B-Bender because I've used a B-Bender for you know, close to 30 years. So, uh, and in fact, I've thought about converting this back to a, uh, a B-Bender, but some of the licks and, and stuff that, uh, that I would do on the B-Bender actually kind of convert over because it, that, you know, the chord shapes and such work still because the, you know, whatever's on the G string can be pulled up a whole step and it, and it works. Things like, uh, like, like this kind of shape, like this, you know, kind of A9. Or even this A, uh, A7. Um, and of course, this kind of A position works real well. having it already bent and descending down into the flat seven. The... Yeah. So it just has a really, really nice sound to it and, it, and it's different than, uh, than what you get with a B. All right, guys, uh, I want to finish off by saying thank you to uh, a friend of mine that I hadn't heard from in a very long time named Paul McEwen. Let me put this guitar down and pick something else up. Uh, I met Paul in the early 90s while he was working at Corner Music, which is a famous shop here in Nashville. And he was working there along with my college buddy, Brad Paisley. And Paul McEwen is a great uh, multiple bender player and a really nice guy. And uh, in a recent conversation, we found that we were both at a, uh, a show here in Nashville at a, a course, a club that's no longer here, but it was called Windows on the Cumberland. And the show was uh, the Dead Cowboys, which was uh, a band that consisted of Don Everly of the Everly Brothers, along with Buddy Emmons on steel guitar, Albert Lee on electric guitar, uh, Jamie Hartford on guitar, John Hartford on fiddle, and uh, then the uh, drummer Tony Newman and bassist Rachel Peer and uh, now Paul sent me this. This is a Hatch show print from the show, and it's signed by Don Everly and Buddy Emmons and Albert Lee. And uh, what a, what a generous gift! So he uh, he got this from the show. It was back in 1994. He uh, he he got this at the show and had the guys sign it. It's. Uh, really cool and also he had a uh, a recording of the show that he sent to me and so that was very kind so thank you to paul McEwen. that was a a generous gift so blessings to you and blessings to all of you and thank you so much for watching today i'll see you next time bye bye
Thanks for listening to the Ask Zach podcast. If you want to dive deeper, check out my website, askzach.com, to find more articles and further info on each episode. And remember, it is the support from you, the listener, that keeps the show going. Thank you, friends.